This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, GM Mike Board of the Calgary Roughnecks will stop by to talk about what's ailing his club. Commissioner Nick Sakevich stops by to talk about the new partnership between the National Lacrosse League and Twitter. A few European fans are making the way to North America and getting a very warm welcome. And how come some guys can fight and some can't? All that more on OTCB. What's going on, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. Also, uh, just a reminder, on Monday, it's the trade deadline. So when we speak in a week's time, we could have a whole lot of stuff to dissect, or we could have nothing. National Cross League trade deadlines are always hit or miss, but we have seen some blockbusters go down in previous years, we've seen Suter trader for White and a captain for captain deal. Uh, we saw the Garrett Billings trade come out of nowhere. So, you never know. It sounds like that there are some talks going on amongst the general managers, but as the occurring theme seems to be, teams don't want to help within their division, which makes sense. And a lot of the East-West trades are tough to make because that usually means guys are now going to have to become fly-ins, and that works against teams' budgets. So keep your ear to the ground. Things might start shaking in the next couple of days, but uh, it's weird that they have it on Monday. Um, I, we'll talk to Mike Board about this, and he kind of makes this comment, um, the fact that they don't have the extra day. And originally... Um, the trade deadline that I was told was on the 29th, which gave them Monday and Tuesday to work out some final deals after the weekend. But then the league came out with their press release last week saying that the deadline is the 27th, which is the Monday. So it could be a very busy Sunday in the National Lacrosse League after a six-game schedule Friday and Saturday. So let's hope by... Seven days' time. We have a lot to talk about on the show because that's always fun when trades happen and guys get shipped, shipped east or west. But I just don't think much is going to happen. doesn't sound like there's a lot out there. But you never do know. Sometimes some GMs will just wave their magic wand like Derek Keenan and turn players into first-rounders and take a team to a championship run. It is getting close to that time as we are definitely into the final third of the season. Every team has played at least 10 games. Uh, Saskatchewan, the only team uh, that hasn't reached the 11-game mark, but they are the number one team in the West. Georgia remains the number one team in the East, and everyone else is just slowly following in behind and trying to play catch-up. We're starting to see a little bit of gaps but again, in a very tight national cross league where six of nine teams make it, a couple wins here and there gets you right back into things. Rochester is the team that's furthest out. They are two games out of a playoff spot. Calgary, a game and a half. The unfortunate thing for Calgary, and 
As mentioned, we spoke with Mike Board earlier, and you'll be able to hear that whole interview in just a few minutes. But they've lost seven of eight, and they just continue to not only get blown out of games, um, but they're sh- they show signs of brilliance, but then they just get absolutely blasted. And in this most recent losing streak of seven of eight, they've given up 15, 11, 13, 12, 18, 16, and 17. And when you're not getting consistent goaltending, it's tough. And there is a lot of pressure on Frankie Chiliano, mostly because he's been put into this role that he's been wanting for a while and has deserved this role. But it's just unfortunate that he doesn't have a backup in Christian Del Bianco that is ready for the National Lacrosse League. And I'm not saying that Christian doesn't deserve where he is, deserve to be where he is, because he does. But as we all know, it is very rare for a goaltender to come into the National Lacrosse League and make an impact right away. It's not something we see very often. Look at Ty Belanger. He was a backup for years. And it's just taken now this year for him to finally start to find his stride. And even then, he has off nights. But he's now into his mid-20s, whereas Christian Del Bianco is not even in his 20s. And Frankie Chiliano, on his part, is still fairly young. So there is a lot of pressure on the young Calgary goaltending duo, and it just kind of looks like it's starting to get to them. And then when you add on that their defense hasn't been playing the best and their offense can't seem to really get things going. They've only scored over 11 goals once, twice, sorry, in the last eight games. And usually the benchmark for teams are if you score 12, you should be able to win. Calgary has troubles getting to 12. They've only gotten to 12 or more three times this year. And that's a huge factor. And I don't want to say that not having Daryl Veltman is the answer. Because no one guy is the answer. But there just seems to be something missing in that offense. Because... They still are putting up ridiculous points between, you know, Dixon, Doby, Shatler, and Westberg. Even Tyler Digby is having an okay year. He's got 37 points. You know, he's probably a bit of a down year by his standards. But if that's your top five, you got to be pretty happy if that's your top five. It's just unfortunate that they're not getting it done on a more consistent basis. Now, would Daryl Veltman have helped that? Maybe. But I think what Daryl Veltman brought were the intangibles. And, you know, he's he's struggling to find a role right now in the National Lacrosse League. He's been moved around. He's now in New England. Sorry, 
and he's only played four games with them, seven points. And even he can't, you know, really figure out his role with the Black Wolves. So it's probably not uh, if they had Daryl Veltman, this team would be in a lot better position. But you just look at this team and you have to ask the question, is there an easy fix? And that is where our conversation with general manager Mike Board begins. I don't think there is. I, I, I kind of I look at it and go, you're, you're never as bad as you think you are and you're never as good as you think you are, I suppose. But, um, you know, we, uh, we're, we're, there's a bit of a trend here that we're, you know, we're, we're having bad stretches. Mm-hmm. And it's, they're, you know, they're too costly to, you can't make the comeback. Um, yeah. You know, there's too much talent in the league and too much parity that, you know, when you have those letdowns, you're, you know, where we seem to be, uh, you know, making it worse on ourselves and, and it's punishing us. So, um, you know, that's something we got to correct. You got to play the, you got to play a full game. And, you know, whether you lapse for five minutes or a quarter or, or even two minutes, you're, you know, the, the ball can end up in the, in the back of your net. And it's, it's just hard to dig out because, you know, this, uh, this league's got uh, a lot of good athletes and, and, and teams are, you know, teams will take advantage of threes mm-hmm. and, you know, three, four, five goal runs, you know, and it's just too hard to come back. We, we rarely see uh, a Calgary team struggle defensively as you guys have had lately. You've given up 17 and, and 16 and 18 goal games in your last, you know, three or four games that you've lost. It, what's caused that? Is it just um, being exposed or is it um, a system that's not working right? Is it just um, goalies having bad nights or is it a combination of a whole lot of things? You know, I, I, uh, Teddy, I'd have to say it's a combination of uh, of a bunch of things. I mean, mm-hmm. when you when you look at goals against, I know everyone looks at you know goalie save percentages or you know the defense or or uh, a combination thereof. But I yeah. think it's a I I look at defense as more of a team thing, and you know, like if you're not getting off the floor quick enough, or you get caught in transition, and you know they're they're going to run you, those kind of things. You're there, that that's another added factor, but I, so mm-hmm. I I look at it in our situation. I think we've had a um, I don't know a mixture of all of those things where where you'd say, boy, it'd be nice if our goalie had made that stop, or yeah. maybe we didn't take that penalty, or you know what, that guy if that guy got to the bench two steps earlier, then they don't get the fast break, or those kind of things. So it's it's not I I wouldn't sort of say it's it's pinpointing one thing. I think it's been a it's been, uh, you know, a series of of, uh, of areas that we're that we have to tighten up. And when we, when we've tightened those up, we've been a very pretty, you know, strong, productive team. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we're just having lapses in certain areas at certain times, and sometimes one follows the other, and, yeah. and it snowballs on you. I, I, you. I know you don't want to point fingers, but it's got to be frustrating to see. Um, you know, Frankie's not playing the way that he has been, and it's unfortunate that. Christian hasn't kind of made the jump as quickly as some might have thought he would have, but it's understandably still only 19 years old. But um, you would like to get be getting a little more consistent goaltending. Is is Kurt okay with with the situation that he's in? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I mean, we're we're what are what we like better goaltending? I think uh, we could probably look at you know I don't know five out of the nine teams and say, hey, if I get better goaltending, I'd be in a different spot, right? Yeah. So. Um, but, um, 
we're we're committed to we committed to the young guys this year and and uh you know it's there's uh there's some growing pains that come with it and you know right now we're 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 going through some of those growing pains so mm-hmm. um you know there's not it's it's pretty hard to go find a super number one goalie who can step yeah. in and 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 jump in and you know sometimes you gotta you gotta pay a price for pay a price now for what you have in the future so you know i i as much as frankie's save percentage might not look that good he's made some big saves at critical times that have helped us and so i i think there's a you know as much as there's growing pain he's going into the into the role of being uh being the guy and yeah. You know, on Christian's side, like Christian went in and had a, a marvelous game for us uh, against uh, Saskatoon. We ended yeah, up losing absolutely. in overtime. Um, but you know, there's a uh, there's some growing for him too, and you know, he you can't expect him to just step in and be that kind of guy every night. And uh, you know, it's a learning curve for him too. So um, it's it's kind of you pay now and pay yeah. forward or whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, we're we're right now we're committed to those guys. Yeah, how do you keep Christian's sort of um, confidence level side? Because you know this is a young kid that came in, you know, not losing very many games um, at all in his junior and intermediate careers, and now he makes the jumps to the big leagues, and he's kind of struggled a little bit. And I'm sure he kind of is taking it stride by stride. But uh, as an organization, as a GM, how do you keep a young kid's confidence up um, and make sure that you're not kind of breaking him down too early? Um, you know what we're we we work with the goalies. The coaches work with the goalies uh, an awful lot, and you know they're they're. I think it's. I think a lot of it is communication, and you know, mm-hmm. sort of saying, hey, you know, that wasn't the greatest, but don't worry about it. It's we know you're better, and what can we do in you know in a the limited time we do get to practice or whatever is is what kind of shots you want to see, and you know what do you need to see from us, and and you know involve them in sort of the communication with the defenseman and 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 our transition guys and, mm-hmm. and all those kind of things. Right. So, so I think, um, you know, and I, and I have to say that like Christian's been great. Like yeah. uh, he's, he's, you know, he's not a, uh, like there's nobody on our team that's happy that we're losing, but no, it, it's not that he, you know, like he's not losing his confidence. He's, he's saying, what do I need to do to get better? You know, like mm-hmm. how can, and we have to help him with that. And, and that's what we're doing. So, um, so far, you know, everything's, everything's, uh, good with him. And, and I agree. I mean, you can't sort of, you don't want to break a guy's confidence early in his career and suddenly that carries through and they, and, and they, they, their development gets, gets, uh, stymied. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, a uh, you know, it's the most important position on the floor. So you, you pay a lot of attention to it. And, uh, and I think that's what we're doing right now. How important is this weekend for you guys as a group? With a, a massive doubleheader coming up. Uh, well, massive is probably a pretty good word. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, it's a uh, it's a big weekend. I mean, we're you know we're not uh, we're not out of it. We're on the cusp of being out of it. We're on the cusp of being in it. So um, yeah, it's a it's a big weekend, and we have to prepare that way. And, and you know, uh, it's a back to back. It's a um, you know we got we're coming in to face a team on Saturday that uh, is waiting for us because uh, we're on the road the night before. Mm-hmm. Uh, travel's not that bad, so you know what? It's 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 in all. It is what it is, and we have to be we have to be ready both nights and and uh, and use the personnel properly to to make sure we we spread the that workload over over those two games. You know, I mean, uh, we 
we're we're going in thinking it's time to get two wins, and yeah. uh, and I, I don't think we can think any differently. Speaking of doubleheaders, you guys, uh, like you mentioned, it's a pretty easy doubleheader for you guys travel wise. Um, you've been through the rigmarole of of having to go from Colorado back to Calgary and, and find your way through different airports. How tough is it uh, as a general manager to organize those doubleheaders and get guys prepared and get guys home in time and and give them the rest they need? How much goes into all of that? You know what? There's there there actually is a lot more than you might think, but yeah, it it really is in our situation where we're dictated by the airlines and the, the travel that we can we can manage. So once you get that, you work backwards and say, okay, here's what we need to do. And, you know, you got to be in at a certain time. So, um, you know, there's thoughts about, Hey, do you stay later in the city and take a later flight? And so that they get the rest and then fly, get a little bit more rest when they get home and then have a quick meal and, and off they go to the game. Um, you can do that, but at the same time, you risk, well, if there's a snowstorm, you're not mm-hmm. going to get on that flight, and it's not fast-words. So mm-hmm. um, you kind of consider the distance and the border travels and all those kind of things, I suppose. But, um, you know, it's it's tough. And, I, I mean, every team, you know, I would suggest that there's not a team in the league that doesn't face some sort of adversity in their travel. Yeah. And uh, it it's uh, – but it is, I, I would say, for, you know, GMs, coaches, players, and trying to figure out, when do I get my rest? When do I eat properly? When do I do this? Is uh, it's it's critical and it's it's sometimes very tricky, right? I mean, you're you know you're coming back from a place and you got to be over to another place and you're eating in an airport. Is the restaurant right? Did you get the right mm-hmm. you know protein, carbs, all those the balance that athletes want? You can't always find that in an airport. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so it's it's uh, you know it's a it's a trick and you you. You try to make sure they get the rest and and get the right seats on the plane so they can get some rest and and uh, then sometimes you just cross your fingers and hope it all it, it all it all gets through and you don't have a snowstorm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of, of this doubleheader, obviously it was a point of discussion at the board of governors meeting a couple weeks a couple weekends ago in New England. Um, are you for moving the season into November and starting it earlier? Yeah, I think, uh, and it's we're we're looking at some scheduling stuff right now uh, internally and seeing how that looks. And Lee's sort of asked us to make some some presentations and say what are your dates look like in those situations. Yeah. And you know what, I I don't have a problem with that. Um, I think I think spreading it out will give uh, the athletes a little more time to to recoup. And you know, as as we know, most of our athletes are. Or have other jobs, and it's mm-hmm. not—it's not a simple factor of okay, I can take a rest day Monday and you know go do a light workout um, and then get a nap in. Like they have to go to work, so it's—it's yeah. it's kind of um, I uh, spreading it out to me is not uh, is from from strictly from an athlete's point of view. I don't I really I don't have a problem with it. Um, I worry that it stretches a little bit too long in certain cases, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, instead of trying to jam all these games, this is probably the best option that we have at this point. And there may be, you know, uh, better building availability in, you know, November than there is in January, for example, or December yeah. when, when buildings have hockey and concerts and other events going on. So, um, you know, it's, it's each team's probably going to have their different challenges and, and, um, you know, we're looking at ours and, and you know what, it, 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 it could, you could probably do it. I mean, I don't know, um, on the flip side of that, 
is I know that I've talked to players who don't like a buy. Like they'd rather yeah. just keep playing. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, strictly from a, from a sort of a medical and a, and a, a physical standpoint and getting guys rest and things, I, I have no problem with it at all. Yeah. You guys have had a, a great relationship with the Flames since they've come on board and you've kind of come over from that side to, to the Roughneck side. What's been the best part um, about the relationship between the, the Flames organization and, and you guys? Uh, you know what? I think there's, there's two. It's twofold. One on the ticketing and marketing side, there's there's a um, uh, I'll, I'll call it an infrastructure for lack of a better word, but mm-hmm. um, they know what to do and how to market, and they know what to do and how to sell tickets. So yeah. that group, it, it, whether they're selling, you know, the Flames or the Stampeders or the Calgary Hitmen or or us, they know how to they know how to do it. They have plans, and yeah. and so you're not having to recreate the wheel all the time. Um, and then on the, the team side of things, having, you know, three other organizations to bounce ideas off of, uh, hmm. um, you know, for example, we, we talked to the Flames exactly on what we were talking about on travel is, yeah. you know, do you prefer to get the guys sleep the night before and fly later in the day or do you fly uh, immediately after the game and let them rest longer yeah. through the day the next day? And, you know, like they, they've done studies on those kind of things. So, there's that kind of a communication on the team side of things. So um, I think it's, it's, it's nothing but a bonus. I mean, you just yeah. have to take advantage of it and, and it's almost like you, you get extra advisors um, along the way kind of thing. You're not, you're not this lone wolf out there going, I wonder what other teams are doing. You've yeah, got yeah. four other teams or you can talk to them about those kind of things. And then of course that, that marketing and, and, uh, and ticketing and sponsorship side and things like that, they, uh, you know, they sell all four of our, our groups together. So yeah. it's, a, it's a bonus for everybody. And, and that, that bonus has helped you guys see a rise in attendance and rise in season ticket holders. Uh, the Roughneck Nation is, is one of the best in the league. How important is it them to, to give them a win this weekend at home? Uh, big. It's big. I mean, uh, it's funny. I joke about it a little bit, but um, you always want to win at home. Mm-hmm. And... and it's just that thing that the, the the people who are in the building they might not you know they might not know our sport as well as you know they, they may not be the purest in the sport or anything, but when they see that home team win, they're 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 like, wow, that was fun, and yeah. I think I might come back to that. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. winning at home is is uh, is critical, and you know I think uh, I think what's happened with the NLL on expanding you know NLL TV and and those kind of things that there's more people watching on the road that we've yeah, ever had yeah. before too. So, um, you know, that, that can only help the following and, and, uh, and help build the fan base. So, but winning at home is, is always critical. And, and, you know, this weekend is one of those ones where uh, it's not just critical to win for the fans. It's, uh, it's critical for us uh, in our playoff hunt. Uh, one last thing. Um, you're a sort of a Twitter guy. You're not the, the most active guy on Twitter, but how do you feel about uh, the National Cross League partnering with, with Twitter and having games in the week? You know what? I think it's a neat idea. Um, I think there's 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 so many different mediums now to get mm-hmm. your your product out there, and um, you know, obviously, we don't have a, a major TV deal in in either the U.S. or or Canada, and and this is another way to to get your product exposed. And I think what what we have discovered, anyways, here in Calgary, is that the more people we expose to it, the more there's talk about it, and there's yeah. more. Um, wow, this is really cool, and these athletes are amazing, and 
you know, like that kind of a thing. And the more exposure that is out there, the better it can be for, for, you know, the, the league and all the teams in it. So uh, I think it's, uh, it's kind of neat. We were actually playing, so I didn't actually get on Twitter <laughs> to watch that one last week, but, uh, yeah. but uh, I hear it went pretty well. And I think there's another one uh, this weekend with, uh, uh, with Colorado again, so yeah, you know, Colorado and Saskatchewan on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So it should it should be good. Um, I, I lied. I'm gonna have one more question for you. Um, okay, <laughs> uh, we are less than a week away uh, week away from the the trade deadline. Um, two part. Do you expect to be um, looking taking calls, and do you expect it to be a busy one league wide? Uh, I find that our trade deadline is is usually fairly quiet, um, yeah. and I don't know. You know, the the standings are what they are Pretty close, there's, yeah. no, there's it doesn't get defined as a, a like in other leagues you look and you, you see buyers and sellers and you just mm-hmm. don't you, the the definition doesn't seem to be there in our league so there there's nobody nobody's going to want to make another team better who they're competing with for a first spot right so yeah. so um, that doesn't preclude you from you know not picking up the phone and and making calls and and I think there's been lots of that going on this week between uh, between a lot of teams. So because um, our trade deadline's Monday, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's not a Tuesday. It's not like you got Monday workday to figure out what you want to do. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen pretty fast and furious if it does on uh, on Monday morning. Well, my friend, it's always a pleasure catching up. Uh, I know you have a busy week ahead of you. So uh, best of luck Friday and Saturday. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thanks for your time, Mike. Okay. Thanks very much, Eddie. Take care. When a team has too many lows and not enough highs, it is very difficult for the, that organization to gain momentum. And that has been Calgary's downfall over the stretch of 10 games. They've gone 3-7. and seven. The only good thing is that the one team they're really chasing, the Vancouver Stealth, have gone 3-7 and seven over their last 10 games as well. And they're only a game behind them for third place in the West. So they're far from out of it, as you heard Mike Board say, which kind of leads me to believe that there may not be a lot of tinkering in the West because of how close it is. But you truly do have to start asking the questions of when does a change get made? And... I have posed this question in a roundabout way to a number of people in so fact of if you had to, if you had a head coaching vacancy right now, who's out there? And there's not a lot of names that pop up, especially names that like have NLL experience and successful NLL experience, which also kind of leads into the fact of, You know, when we talk about expansion, and my big concern is, um, are there enough top-level goaltenders? Uh, Selfishly, are there enough top-level broadcasters? Um, But we need to find the player depth of the player pool to really fill the amount of teams that the commissioner is looking to bring in over the next 3, 5, 10 years. But more importantly... Are there enough top-level coaches out there to fill those rosters and help those rosters? So if you're a National Lacrosse League team right now and you decide to make a coaching change, 
and you're not willing to promote from within, where do you go? You could try and poach somebody from another team. There was often conversation that if a move was made that one of the three coaches in Colorado would be up for a spot. And you could, you know, go down the list of many of the National Lacrosse League teams and look at assistant coaches. Jeff McComb, uh, Bruce Codd, Rob Williams, who's just gotten into the NLL, um, has head coaching experience. Dan Latasura is getting his chops wet. Maybe he doesn't really want to be a head coach, but there's a guy with NLL experience and NLL coaching experience. Sean Ferris has been around the league for a number of years. Um, Adam Mueller's still out there somewhere. Tony Resch is floating around. Uh, Jeff Dowling is a name that people always wonder if he'll ever get a head coaching job. Um, you know, finally we see Matt Sawyer come into the fold of the Toronto Rock again as a full-time head coach. But I just don't think there's a lot of guys that are out there. And that's, you know, why a farm system is so important. You always see in the National Lacrosse League, or sorry, in the National Hockey League, when people are looking for the next coach, they always look towards the AHL. You know, who's the guy that's working in an NHL environment and could take the step to the big leagues? We don't have that in our league. And so, you know, if you're Calgary and it continues to go south and you lose two games this weekend, which are massive, massive games, because they play Saskatchewan on Friday on the road, then New England at home on Saturday. If they just so happen to lose both those games and they drop to 4-10 and 10 with four games remaining, they're almost eliminated. And so then the fingers start to wonder before they start pointing, is it time for Kurt Miloski to go in Calgary? He hasn't been able to get them to the finals in a few years. He uh, they, he's seen a team start zero and six. Now he's seen a team you know go one and one for eight. So if they don't make the playoffs this year, you have to wonder if Mike Board makes a change. And, you know he's got Bobby McMahon. Work in the front door there. Would Slip want that job? And there are other guys out there, but again, to find a guy to come in with experience of coaching in this league and successful coaching in this league is tough. But there is too much heart in that Calgary locker room for them to even be thinking about folding the tent. And this is probably the most important weekend of their season. Because as I mentioned, if they go to 4-10 and 10 on the year and Vancouver can win, you know, Calgary gets into a really, really tough position. In the Eastern Division, you look at the two teams that are on the outside looking in in Buffalo and Rochester, they don't have easy schedules coming home either. And... Those are two teams, again, that we're used to seeing in the playoffs. 
and are on the outside looking in. And Buffalo has to go to Rochester this weekend. Then they're home to Saskatchewan on April 1st, into Calgary, into Toronto, and then home to Georgia on the 14th and 15th before Georgia-Toronto to end the year. Like, that's a tough schedule. Toronto, Georgia, Georgia, Toronto over the span of three weeks for the Bandits. And they're currently a half game behind New England who's starting to slowly find their form. But for Rochester, you know, they're in tough too. Again, home against the Bandits, home against Calgary on April 1st. And then they're in Colorado, home to New England, home to Georgia, and then at Georgia. That is a brutal way to end the schedule. Friday, April 28th, home to Georgia, Saturday the 29th at Georgia. And if they can't find a few wins, their season could already be over by that point. But if they need a win or two and it comes to that down to that weekend, oh boy. We could see some fireworks in those games. And speaking of fireworks, did we ever see some in the Rochester New England game on Friday? Now, all four games were on Friday, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I'm not sure why they played all four on Friday. Maybe just to kind of get the weekend over with. Maybe it was just arena availability. I don't know, but it's kind of odd not to see the NLL playing on a Saturday. Regardless. The fight between Dan Dawson and Bill O'Brien was a beauty. But there were a few things that kind of caught my eye and have had a few people asking me questions um, about that fight. Now, initially it looked like Dan Dawson actually went at Bill O'Brien. Dressa Terrence saved by Kirk, kicked away. And we're going to have a penalty at the end of it. And we've got oh, we Dan go. Dawson with Bill O'Brien. Get out of there. And now the punches have been thrown. That's Dan Dawson and Bill O'Brien. Oh, and Dawson's got a couple of great shots in on O'Brien once he got his helmet off. Oh, Paul can throw, Danny can throw. He's not known for it, but he's, he's a tough guy. Dan Dawson, and the refs are not stepping in, and you don't want to get in between those two guys. Two very, very big men. So, like I said, after the play had happened and the whistle had gone, Dan went right at Bill O'Brien and grabbed him. And Dan doesn't take crap from anybody. And I've played with Dan uh, many years. And for a superstar that he is, he has a bit of a short fuse. And he has always been known to want to jump in. And he doesn't fight often, but he always gets involved in things and always kind of sticks up for his teammates and always grabs a guy if he has to. Doesn't necessarily fight, but it has always been known to grab a guy and just say, hey, man, stop doing that or there's going to be consequences. And Bill O'Brien said, all right, if there's going to be consequences, here they are, and he started throwing punches. And so they went, and it was a, a really good scrap, but there, the two questions that came from it are this. One, 
why didn't Dan Dawson take his gloves off? Now, we don't really know. Again, Dan's not much of a fighter. He's a goal scorer, so probably wanting to protect his hands, he kept them on. It wasn't to avoid a suspension um, or whatever. Uh, most, most likely didn't want to throw his gloves off to protect his hands. Uh, instead of using bare knuckles on helmets, use gloves on helmets and face. It's a lot safer. The other question, and this is one that has been asked nearly every game, especially when a fight almost happens and then the officials step in, is why did they let that fight go? And why have they, the officials let some of the fights go, yet they won't let other fights go? Uh, case in point, Bryce Sweeting and Billy Hostrauser in Toronto the same night on Friday night. Um, kind of got mixed up in the corner and decided to go buckets off, step back, left, took off their gear, and the ref stepped in. <laughs> I'm not sure which ref it was, but he actually like kind of ran in and grabbed Sweeting and tackled him into the boards to prevent him from fighting. Now, I know the league really wants to get away from fighting, and they really don't like the fighting discussion to happen. And I know people think that fighting doesn't have a, its place in the game anymore, and they don't want it in hockey, they don't want it in lacrosse, but I still truly believe that it has a place, and it is in a necessity at times. It allows the players to police themselves. It allows, it's, it's kind of like um, a, a, a pressure cooker, lacrosse games. It's very much like a pressure cooker. And you're constantly allowing pressure to get out by letting the guys do what they do. But if you don't release that steam valve and you don't let the pressure out, you can get a huge boil over and then it just gets crazy. And guys take, start to take liberties. It starts to get super chippy and extra dirty. And bad things can happen. So when a fight does happen, it lets all that pressure out. It calms things down. And nine times out of ten, once that one fight happens, the rest of the game goes smoothly. Sure. The odd thing will, you know, you'll get the odd second fight. You know, for example, Suter fighting Searle right after. But again, after those two fights happened, that game was fine. Nothing else happened in that game that would have, you know, really warranted things. There was three penalties the rest of the game. So once you get all that out of the way, the game can be played just fine. Now, it's apparent that it's not a mandate from the National Lacrosse League and from Brian Lemon and the commissioner saying, do not, to the best of your abilities, let a fight happen. That's not what's being said. What's being said is, is if you can safely break up a fight before it happens, then do so. If two guys back up and square off and you can get in there without getting hit, and the players have respect enough for you to, for that when you say, hey guys, I'm coming in, don't throw a punch, they're not going to throw punches, then you can do that. But if two guys have grabbed each other and they're already throwing punches and you think that if you go in, it's possible that you could get hit, then just let the fight happen. 
And again, it's a slippery slope. But I truly believe that the energy that comes from a fight builds the atmosphere in an arena and draws fans. It excites the arena, but it also lets the players police the game and things smooth out after those fights. Because sometimes it just needs to happen. Some guys run around like an idiot, taking shots, not getting the calls from the referees, and taking liberties, that sometimes he just needs to get punched in the face. And it happens. And once the guy gets punched in the face, he calms down, he settles down, and we move on. So, you know, we've seen the league move toward a more athletic, faster style of lacrosse. Uh, Having the third referee on there has taken away a lot of the extra stuff and the the officials are seeing more things and they're calling things, the clutching and grabbing and the slashing off ball and the dead ball fouls and things like that. That's all being watched by the third official. So we're seeing a faster, more athletic game, which is great. But what made box across so well loved across the land was the physicality of it. Now I'm not saying we need to go back to, you know, 1987 MILL lacrosse where it was just mayhem. And yes, the players coming into the game today are faster, bigger, stronger, more athletic. And it has provided us with a better game. The game is as good as it's ever been. But I think we still need to allow the odd fight to happen to keep the peace on the floor. It sounds weird. But it's true. To keep peace, sometimes you need war. And the war on the floor is two guys not hurting anybody but themselves. And when it's all said and done, you just move on. And so we'll move on. The National Lacrosse League made its debut on Twitter. Now, we still don't have final numbers. But... From everybody that I've talked to, reading on the message boards and the forums and and on Twitter itself, it seems like everything went quite smoothly. There's another game this weekend. Toronto and Colorado were last weekend. This weekend, it's Colorado hosting Saskatchewan in Colorado. And it just continues to bring exposure to the game, brings more eyes to the game, and... The more people watching our sport, the better. And the commissioner, Nick Sakevich, is continually trying to build more eyes and get more eyes and build more notoriety and build more noise and keep the needle moving. And he's a very busy man. And I was able to catch up with the commissioner on Monday, and he had just gotten into the Big Apple. Just a lot of meetings uh, over the next few days and uh, popping in on a on a big sports conference, annual sports conference that takes place here every year called Leaders. Um, it's a global sports conference, so a lot of people coming into town for it, and it's a good place to schedule up meetings. It, you, you've done a lot of uh, conferences in the past calendar year. Is this a place for you to do some solid networking with people 
um, in other sports leagues and sports markets around the world? Oh, absolutely. You know, the people in the sports business, it's a small world, and they like to gather at uh, – I don't go to too many of them, just the ones that I know, the, the top people, owners, uh, presidents of teams, and right. arena arena and stadium operators go to. So there, there's probably two or three really important ones that I make sure I tap into. And, and in Canada, there's – one or two of them that are really important to attend. So I, it's it's a great it's a great thing to do and get a number of people that we're talking to, you know, all in the same room. Yeah. Either in a, either in a meeting setting or you know over a over a lunch or a dinner or a drink. And, and I'm sure you have a few of those big meetings set up. How are the talks going? Um, I, I know you, you know, we're getting close to to April now, so that's going to be you know, seven, eight months away from uh, the 2018 season. Uh, are we reaching your deadline for possible announcements for a new team? Well, um, I haven't set any deadlines for expansion teams, and, and I've purposely not done that because these conversations are very fluid and ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, haven't, we haven't expanded in 10 years, yeah. and – the league has been a, in a in a place where it hasn't had the opportunity to expand. Um, that's the bad news. You know, the good news is we continue to have many conversations where we've signed numerous agreements of non-disclosure. Yeah, have entered into over 36 cities now are looking at an NLL franchise and. In some of those cities, you know, several owners or potential owners that could that are interested in in uh, expanding uh, with a uh, with a team in the NLL. So yeah, it, it's very fluid. We we have a lot uh, to overcome. Um, you know, it's great that we're in our 31st season, but we also haven't done a whole lot over yeah. that 31 years in terms of expansion and really turning you know, turning the the needle, I was so to speak, you know, as we was we have, you know, when I was in MLS, it took us really 10 years to to get to a point where, you know, we t- really turned the expansion needle on and it took 20 some odd years to get that yeah. to where it is today, but it was a lot of work, a lot of time and a lot of strategy in in, to, in doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. And I emphasize doing it the right way. I mean, this league has expanded before, but it, I wouldn't consider it expanded in the right way. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, obviously, the the needle that moved the most for the National Crossing this week was the the Twitter announcement. And I want to get to you know the game that was uh, this past weekend in Toronto between the Mammoth and the Rock, but how did this all come about? Because I know the NFL has done it before, and, and the NCAA did a game on Twitter earlier this year that had uh, hundreds of thousands of people watching. How did the National Lacrosse League and Twitter come to coexist? Well, uh, from the beginning, um, when we looked at this 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 product and how good the uh, the entertainment value was and the athletic value of of the NLL and we had great games and great arenas with large crowds, but they never left the arenas. And if mm-hmm. you remember very early on when I first became commissioner, I used the words, we need to unlock our sport. Yeah. We need to unlock it to a broader audience of so- ex-soccer guys like me who've <laughs> fallen in love with lacrosse 
and we need to distribute it. And it's all about distribution for us. You know, we don't have a product problem. We have a distribution problem. So we went out and we thought about our strategy, our broadcast strategy, very carefully. We looked at what we've been doing, and what we've been doing isn't good enough in terms of linear television broadcast, mm -hmm. be it in Canada or in the U.S. with with our streaming partners here. And it wasn't wasn't good enough. So we we created an OTT strategy. We created NLL TV. We quadrupled our per game viewing just by introducing NLL TV to the equation. Um, we launched uh, NLL Productions to create all this free uh, ancillary programming and documentary and highlight and player feature programming that Mia and Tyson do every week, uh, and created the show The Box. Mm -hmm. And then we needed a dis we needed a distribution partner, and and we we met with a number of them, and we landed with Twitter because they're a great company, they're hungry, they're aggressive, and their distribution is unprecedented. You know, they have a dis worldwide distribution network of 280 million, yeah, um, and in the U.S. and Canada, 62 million. So when we weighed all the variables and we looked at the partnership we could form with others as well as Twitter. We, we ended up really moving in the direction of, of Twitter. And Anthony Noto, their COO, and Bo Han, who's been handling the project, are just terrific supporters of the sport of lacrosse and really believe in the NLL and, and that lacrosse is a, a young but emerging sport. And, and we just we felt really comfortable with the numbers, the distribution opportunity, and most importantly, the relationship and the partnership with, uh, with Twitter. Uh, from um, initial numbers, did it, did it go off quite well from your perspective? Um, it went off well. We we don't have the final analytics. We're gathering those up right now, and we'll we'll be sharing those once we once we get all the final analytics. Um, it obviously, was a great game at Air Canada Center and uh, an important Colorado win. Yeah. Unfortunately, the the home team didn't, but it was a it was a great game and it was a really good result. So uh, we were pretty pretty pleased with it. How far can this go? Is is you know for is is the deal kind of just based on the first eight games this year, or are you looking at to be this being a, a continual thing? No, we you know we're we're eyeing this um, to to do more and more of it uh, mm -hmm. every year. You know, it's a, it's a two-year deal, and I think this is a this year especially is a kind of get get to know each other and see see where it goes. But we, you know, we really believe in this. We think we think the future of uh, sports broadcasting is in in the streaming realm and in the digital world. We made a conscious decision to be a digital first league mm -hmm. and uh, really focus our our resources, our investments into the digital space. And um, this is a great start. I, w I would say it's just a start, and we'd like to see more of this, um, a lot more of this in the future, and we'll work with Twitter to develop it and polish it up as we go forward. Um, as a businessman yourself, uh, how much, you know, with your eyes on, on the sports business world, did, did lacrosse and Twitter move the needle last week? Was there a lot of hype around it um, from your standpoint? Yeah, there was. You know, since I've been here, it's the most exposure and the most press that the National Lacrosse League has gotten. Um, you know, we had mentions on CNBC. We had 
mentions in Ad Week and and in Sports Business Journal, which are huge um, magazines and, mm-hmm. and television shows that the that the financial world and the business world watch and view. And it's really important to send the message, um, you know, to those communities. And you know, just the shout out on CNBC was was huge. And it yeah. Uh, it's unprecedented for our league to have this kind of exposure. It certainly is unprecedented since the short time I've been here. But we got to keep doing it, and we got to keep getting more and more of that on a consistent basis, not just a one one shot deal. And we're we're working every day to uh, make make new deals, make more deals, and make more noise. Yeah. Do you have any uh, hidden gems still in the pocket that you're hoping to get out by the end of the year? Oh well, the year the year's young, so yes, we, we <laughs> just, just as soon as we make one big announcement, we're working on the next three. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we're we're very focused on that, and you know it's about it's about greater relevance for the National Cross League. It's about sending a message to these thirty six some cities and all these owners and investors that we're talking to that we're 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 the real deal and we're the next great sport coming through the pipeline and while it's awesome that you know major league soccer has really taken its position amongst the top sports in in North America I feel very strongly that the National Lacrosse League is the next new new kid on the block if you will how closely are you working with teams like Vancouver and and Georgia especially um to keep their uptick going for 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 people in the seats because, you know, with the Twitter deal, you went to, to five specific markets that had good fan bases, good arena atmosphere, and good broadcast. But, you know, Georgia and Vancouver are kind of at the bottom of the fishbowl. Um, what are you doing to help them gain uh, a foothold and more fans? Well, as you know, we created a team services function inside the league office um, when we executed on our new business plan and our new strategy. that. Team services function is led by Dave Rowan, our chief operating officer, and he speaks with those teams every day. Um, and he works with those teams on everything from hiring staff to training to exchanges of best practices. And and really, you know, I think one of the great examples of his hard work is in the success we're seeing this year in New England. You know, right. I noticed New England's New England's no longer part of your list. And <laughs> yeah. the, the reason the reason for that is that they have really done an amazing job. That ownership has been deeply committed to um, getting things right in that marketplace. They've got a world-class facility, great arena sitting right in the middle of it at Mohegan Sun. And they've hired, trained, and staffed up. And it's all about people, plan, and execution. And yeah. the Black Wolves have had all three this year, and we're really excited about what the, what the future looks like there. How have you enjoyed uh, the play on the floor this year? I know you're, you, as you said just now recently, you know, you've become a fan of this sport and you've become a bit of a diehard. How have you enjoyed, as a fan, the National Crossing this year? It's, it's been amazing. The, the sport and the product continues to amaze me, and I still have yet to walk out of an arena being disappointed by the product on the floor. It's thrilling. It's fantastic. I was at a game in Buffalo maybe a month or so ago, and there were 37 goals, 117 shots. I think I went to the men's room once and missed three goals. I'll never do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, just really the product, like I, I say on and on, and I never walked out of an arena disappointed with the product on the floor. And I've been to, I don't know how many live games. Product's just great. You know, it just needs to be unlocked and, and exposed to more people in a bigger way, and that's what we work on every day. Nick, it's always a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Uh, enjoy New York City, and hopefully we'll hear some big news out of uh, your offices soon. You bet. Thank you, sir. That's Commissioner Nick Sakevich, uh, live, sort of live, from New York as he attended the Legends Conference. Um, I know he was uh, sending out some tweets from there, and uh, I know the Twitter guys were there talking about their affiliation with sports. And, um, you know, Twitter and sports isn't new. It may be new to lacrosse. Last year, for those that don't know, they were covering a game of the week with the National Football League. Uh, The first lacrosse game they did was a college game earlier this year. Uh, Currently, right now, uh, it's a Tuesday. And Harvard and, I think, Boston University are currently playing a game. So, you know, there is um, a bit of a niche for sports on Twitter. And like I said earlier, for all intents and purposes, the the feed was pretty flawless. There was no drops or pauses. And people seemed to enjoy it. Uh, Obviously, I wasn't able to watch it on on Twitter as I was at the game in Toronto. Won't be able to watch this one because I'll be calling the game in Colorado and we, like Nick said, we still don't know the numbers, but from early reports, it went off pretty well. Now, if it's, you know, kind of like um, the ratings for television, you know, it could be cumulative how many people are watching at one time. Um, it could be just how many people tuned in for for a moment, at least just, you know, one click, just kind of checked it out. Uh, we don't know any of those numbers. But with Twitter having, you know, like 250 million people, and, you know, 65 million of that in the U.S. and another X amount in Canada or whatever the mind-boggling numbers of people that are on Twitter are. And, and I wouldn't expect every single one of those people to have clicked on the game and watched it, but at least you're putting it in front of people. And, you know, you heard Nick say this is a, a two-year deal, so hopefully next year um, it just gets bigger and better. I know... Mia Gordon and Tyson Geick were doing pre and post game stuff. Uh, and as this gets more energy and, and tries to pick up speed, uh, their product will become better. You know, you'd love to see them be doing, you know, live stuff, whether it be pre and post game or interviews, uh, stuff at the half, make it a proper broadcast. And again, that's things to be worked on down the road. But it's the future. And it's it's a massive deal, and I talked about this last week, and I talked about it the week before of this upcoming announcement. And last week when we talked, we didn't quite know the announcement. They had just announced the um, the deal for people who have smart TVs. Um, they could watch games on a ta- basically essentially a tape delay or non-subscription NL TV basis. And then pretty much the day after they announced the Twitter deal. And, and it is it is so big for the sport of lacrosse. I'm not sure enough people realize the magnitude of what this can do. And hopefully it brings in more sponsors. Hopefully it brings in, um, you know, it lures in bigger investors, um, bigger owners. People see us on Twitter and be like, wow, okay, this is leagues moving in the right direction. 
Now, the question a lot of people had or have is how come, you know, the rusher on there four or five times and all the games are in Colorado, Buffalo, Toronto, and Calgary. Well, as one fan put it on the forums, you win back-to-back cups, you get four or five games. And if you also put, you know, anywhere over 11,000 people consistently consistently in your barn and produce HD quality games, you're probably going to get coverage. And, yeah, it sucks that there aren't games, you know, every team has a home game on Twitter. It's unfortunate. But if you're going to showcase the league, you're not going to want to showcase it in a league that's 90% empty. So you kind of have to allow it to be the best that it can be, and that is to show it from NHL rinks with HD product quality and a lot of fans making a lot of noise. And next year, who knows? Next year, if it's game of the week, if they do a full season, then every team will probably have a home game. But let's just hope that when we do get to next season, um, this committee that Dave Rowan is a part of, trying to help all these franchises, you know, build their notoriety in their markets and get more people into the into the stands, has a solid effect. Because it, you know, it, it just looks bad on TV or on the internet when a camera pans and it shows your whole arena. And you literally know that the number they are announcing isn't anywhere close to the number that's actually there. And you don't want to show that to prospective owners or buyers or new fans. You want to show them the wild crowd in Buffalo or Colorado. And that's not to say that, you know, fans in all the other markets aren't wild and crazy, because they are. But you would rather show 14,000 than 2,000. Not much time left here on the show this week. We've talked about, um, you know, the deadline coming up. Uh, that is going to really kind of shake things up if anything happens. But again, uh, in talking to some GMs, um, the ones that still like talking to me, um, it doesn't sound like a lot has happened. There are phone calls being made. There are discussions being made. But whether teams can come to an agreement, and like Doug Locker said, and even Mike Board said it, you're probably not going to see a lot of interdivisional trades if any of those happen. It'll most likely be east to west or west to east. But again, if you make those deals, uh, teams have to start to take into account fly-ins and budgets and all those sort of things, um, contract costs and payroll and all and all those things that you know we as fans often forget about. Oh yeah, right. They would have to fly that guy into Vancouver from, you know, Baltimore every week. It gets a little expensive. So there could be some deals happening. But I'm going to go on the opposite side and say there won't be many deals. I think I said it last week. Um, if there are deals made, it'll be depth moves. Probably not, you know, any blockbusters. More depth trades. Uh, teams trying to acquire picks. But again, an- if Calgary wins their games this weekend and gets them get them right back in the playoff spot, Rochester wins, climbs up the ladder a little bit, every team is still going to think they have a shot. And that kind of creates the 
the atmosphere for no buyers or sells, just like sellers, just like Mike Board said. So uh, we will wait and see. One last thing before we get out of here, and I think this is a, a fantastic story. I stumbled upon it last night. Um, and, and it just shows not only the power of social media, uh, but just the strength of the lacrosse family. And I'm sure that it would happen in any sport around the world. In fact, in fact, I'm pretty sure I, I've experienced this before. However, um, some Finnish fans posted, I think, on the Vancouver Stealth Facebook page um, that they were looking to come to a game. Uh, they were flying out here in April. They were going to be in town. They wanted to go to a game. They're staying downtown Vancouver, uh, but they didn't know how to get out here to the arena. Uh, it was going to take them too long, and they just didn't know what to do, And but they really wanted to go to a game. So Angie Swan, who is a member of the BC Lacrosse Association, uh, she reached out to these people, said, hey, I just sent you a direct message. Let's talk. So through the power of social media, these Finnish fans who are coming for a vacation and wanting to see a National Lacrosse League live are actually going to be given tickets. Uh, a season ticket holder has often offered up his tickets to the family so they could go. Um, I think Angie Schwann is going to drive them out or someone's going to drive them out. They're going to take care of these people. And I think Jake Elliott is trying to do all that he can uh, to give them a little bit more of an experience, uh, maybe have them take part in some of the intermission competitions that they do or, or maybe upgrade their seats, give them some swag. But that's just awesome. You know what I mean? Like, to treat new fans with respect and treat them to a first-class experience is just an incredible gesture. And I'm so thankful that people are actually out there willing to help, willing to give up tickets, um, to go out of their way to pick these people up and drive them to Langley and drive them back um, to their Airbnb where they're staying in downtown Vancouver. And just to make sure that they enjoy themselves, they have a good time, that they have good seats, they're sitting next to knowledgeable fans, to ensure that when they leave, they say, damn, that was fun. So kudos to everybody um, that's helping these Finnish fans get the first-class experience that they were looking for. And hopefully they are treated to a fantastic game as Vancouver will take on Toronto in two weeks. Uh, Vancouver is in Toronto this weekend, and it is a very busy week in the National Lacrosse League. Six games, two on Friday, four on Saturday. Toronto at Georgia, Calgary at Saskatchewan. And then the four on Saturday, Vancouver at Toronto, Buffalo at Rochester, New England at Calgary, and then the Twitter game of the week, Saskatchewan versus Colorado. The third time those two teams have faced, the first two times, both were one-goal games, one going to overtime. So don't expect this one to be anything but dramatic. Because I'm sure hoping for a good one Saturday night. Uh, that'll do it for another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and Twitter. My name has been Teddy Jenner. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. Keep the website handy, nll.twitter.com for the Twitter feed. It'll take you right there. 
course, NLL TV will have all of the games for you to watch from the comfort of your home on your laptop, TV, smartphone, smart TV, um, streaming box, whatever you got. I'm sure that you know where to find live National Lacrosse League action. We're getting down to the wire. It's the playoff stretch, but more importantly, it's the last six days before the NLL trade deadline. We will have a lot to talk about Tuesday. I look forward to it. Hope to hear from you soon, and I will be seeing you at Arena very shortly. Until next time, be excellent to each other. Woman, don't try.